Part One of Karl Marx an Essay by Harold J. Lasky. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Karl Marx an Essay by Harold J. Lasky. London, The Fabian Society, 25 Tothill Street, Westminster, South West 1 and Allen and Unwin Limited, 40 Museum Street, London, WC1. One shilling. To H. G. Wells. This work has been published at the expense of the Tullocum Bar Publishing Fund, instituted as a memorial of Lieutenant William Tulloch and Captain Hugh Barr, M.B. R.A.M.C., two members of the Fabian Society who lost their lives in the Great War. 1. No name in the history of social ideas occupies a place more remarkable than that of Karl Marx. Save Machiavelli and Rousseau, no thinker has been the subject of a condemnation so unsparing. And, like Rousseau, it has been his fortune to preside after death over a revolution conceived in his name. His books have received from a chosen band a scrutiny as earnest as ever the Bible or the Digest have obtained yet the precise grounds of the position he occupies among socialists is a more complex problem than is usually assumed his theory of value is no more than a formidable adaptation of a concept already worked out in full by a group of english predecessors men like harrington and james madison realized hardly less clearly than he the significance of the materialist interpretation of history his appreciation of the fact of class antagonism had been anticipated in detail by Saint-Simon. Even his passionate sympathy with the inarticulate aspirations of the working class was no more profound than that of Charles Hall and Owen and John Stuart Mill. His position, indeed, cannot be appreciated unless it is seen in its historical perspective. Born between two revolutions, he utilised the method produced by the reaction from the excesses of France to the service of its fundamental principles. The disciple of Hegel, he was the first of those who felt his master's influence to apply his dialectic to the analysis of social facts. Hardly less important was the material of which he made use. Beginning to write when the full implications of capitalism were becoming visible, he utilised its own description of its economic consequences as the proof of its moral inadequacy. The evidence was impressive and complete, and the induction therefrom of a social order, at once new and inevitable, suited to a nicety the yearnings of his generation. The main result of the Hegelian movement was to lend a new sanction to philosophic conservatism. The impact of the revolutionary wars seems to have turned the mind of its founder towards the justification of established order. In that sense, Hegel is a chief of reactionary romanticism, and his affinity to men like Burke and Savigny is obvious. Yet the essence of Hegelianism is, at the same time, the idea of evolution, and, to an age which, as with de Mestre, was chiefly concerned with finding the basis of a permanent social scheme, the notion of evolution was a definitely radical one. For Hegel insists on the impermanence of institutions. Each age is its predecessor with a difference. There is a change of tone and outlook, a tendency to emphasise the antithesis of what has been characteristic of the earlier period. To the period of religious intensity, 
there succeeds the age of religious indifference bossuet begets voltaire as lord eldon implies the reforming zeal of henry brougham the law of life is the warring of contradictions with growth as its consequence this process which hegel called dialectic is as it were a kind of rhythm which moves from the concrete hardness of some definite idea to its opposite from that repulsion it shifts towards a synthesis in which the two first stages interpenetrate each other to form a new concept by their union this notion is the ruling method of marxian thought obviously enough it provides a means whereby the foundations of any given social system may be criticized at their base for if we can be certain that any interpretation of a period is necessarily a partial view we have only to emphasize its antithesis to call forth the possibility of a new standpoint hegelianism for example might insist on the moral adequacy of the prussian state but under its very banner young germany might make protest against its rigorous impermeability to freedom where hegelian doctrine had emphasized birth and position young germany could point to the frustration of talents and the tragedies of the poor where it insisted on the value of religion the newer thinkers might question the very foundations of faith the disciples of hegel in fact turned the weapons of their master to the service of a cause he had denied strauss and feuerbach bruno bauer and heine are essentially a part of the same general tendency of which marx is the representative in social ideas they are the heralds of revolt against the reaction their difference from marx consists in their failure to see the political implications of their position marx grasped them from the outset and the hegelian dialectic in his hands is an effort at the overthrow of the existing social order the time indeed was singularly fitted for the ideas of which he was the protagonist the shadow of two french revolutions bestrode europe like a colossus and the very reaction they had provoked was compelled to make grudging concessions to ensure even its temporary survival the mood of the people was everywhere bitter and discontented and the criticism of existing institutions secured a widespread and eager welcome in france the work of saint-simon and fourier and enfantin had shown how prolific of novelty the revolution remained and its influence was hardly less apparent in the new liberalism of sismondi and the catholic experiments of lamennais england was in the throes of a convulsion not the less profound because it was silent bentham had at last come into his own and under the stress of his urgent protests english institutions were being transformed into the organs of a middle-class state the relics of feudalism had at last submitted to the assaults of ricardo and his school and the newborn industrialism even if to an observant eye it seemed but the grim doctrines of calvin translated to an economic sphere completely altered the atmosphere of social life the revolution indeed did not achieve its purpose without suffering as early as eighteen hundred and five charles hall had uttered a remarkable protest against the implications of the new civilization and that half-forgotten school of economists who form a link between the individualism of bentham and the cooperation of owen were riddling its protective armour in the name of social justice the masses had regarded the reform act of eighteen thirty two as the prelude to the greatest happiness of the greatest number and their disappointment expressed itself in the revolutionary activity of the trade unions and the formation of the chartist movement thinkers like william thompson and j f bray 
noble-minded agitators like francis place and william lovett are every whit as indicative of the new capitalism as the great merchants and the incredible machines of lancashire and yorkshire the industrial revolution reaped what it had sown it ground a whole generation into intolerable despair and dreams of its destruction were the sole refuge of its victims those dreams were the background which made possible the emergence of karl marx they gave him the foundation of his social philosophy end of part one